Thank you so much, Dan. And I want to invite you uh, to continue to join us in a spirit and a posture of prayer in the weeks ahead. Next Sunday, we are going to gather churchwide for a special time of prayer. I mentioned last week or the week before, I don't know when it was, um, that probably the most important gatherings of our church uh, always, but uh, particularly in 2018, are times of gathering in prayer. And as we gather in our community groups and in our men's and ladies' Bible studies to really pour out our hearts for God to do something significant in our lives, in our community, in the world, uh, to really ask God as I began this service to bring revival, to bring revival to our hearts, to bring revival to Centennial Church, to bring revival in this community and in our world. We so desperately need him, do we not? Kids, I am so glad that you're in here this morning. I love the energy. I love the singing that you bring. Thank, thank you so much for sitting in here with us and not just sitting here with us, but participating with us, okay? We're going to look this morning, and if you're our guest this morning, so glad that you are here. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to look into the book of Acts this morning, and um, I want to invite you just to flip with me to Acts chapter 1. And the cool thing about this, I, we, we began this series last week, and I didn't say this, but our kids uh, from the little ones on through elementary school have been already studying the book of Acts. And so parents, we are catching up with them uh, in this study of this wonderful book. And uh, this morning, I'm going to try to be a, a little briefer than normal, but we, we see in this book of Acts uh, the incredible work of God through his people. And, and there's really a, uh, a surprising, uh, overwhelming uh, thing that we see really in two directions. There's two surprises that we, we see in the book of Acts. And the first surprise is how powerfully God works among uh, his people. Uh, you, you see, as you follow the beginnings of the church, that God is just working powerfully. And so it stretches us, this book stretches us to expect more of God. It's been stretching me as I've been studying it, to expect more of God. But it also uh, surprises us and it also stretches us because it, it causes us to expect more of ourselves, and what God wants to do in and through us. So I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look uh, today at Acts chapter 1, verses 6, uh, verses 6 through 11. And I've asked uh, our middle school crew to make some delegations and, and uh, have somebody come up and read the scripture. So nobody wanted to do it by themselves. So their fearless leader, Elijah, is coming up here uh, to read with Jacob. And uh, so follow along with him. I don't know if we're going to have anything on. If, if you just came in late, we've been having computer issues and projector issues, and I love it. It's like, you know, back to the first century. We can't rely on this stuff. But go ahead and uh, lead us in the scriptures, guys, and then I'll pray for us. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? To Israel, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he said, or as he was looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while we were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This is Jesus, who was taken up from he into heaven, and he will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Thanks, guys. Let, let me uh, pray for us as we look into God's word, okay? Father God, as we open your word, would you please move among us by your Holy Spirit? Would you please cause us to expect more of you and to expect more of ourselves as we represent you in this world? As I continue to pray in this series, Lord, would you please make us more courageous in our walk with you and our proclamation of you? Would you give us a greater compassion for the world? And God, may your Holy Spirit dwell among us powerfully. And it's in the great name, the beautiful name of our missionary, our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we play, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. So in 2007, uh, I was fortunate enough to travel to Israel for a three-week uh, study class at the end of seminary, and I was able to stand in Jerusalem across from the Mount of Olives and see this place where all this began. Oh, there it is. Yes, and so that, that's a picture of me standing at the top of the Mount of Olives, uh, looking across at where now is a, a, a mosque, a Muslim, uh, the Dome of the Rock. And, uh, but that was originally, that, that uh, walled area there was, was originally the temple, Solomon's temple, where God's people worshipped. And as we come to Acts chapter 1 this morning, the marching orders that we get uh, are the marching orders that these first disciples got, and that is to go into all the world, to be God's witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. And as I stood here in 2007 and looked uh, across this Kidron Valley at this holy land where these words were spoken, I thought, how amazing that would, what began right here this message, this story of Jesus rising from the dead has gone from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world all the way over to Oklahoma to this little kid when he was seven years old hearing this same message that was originally spoken right here. It's gone all the way around the world and here I am back in the place where it started. The book of Acts is this story of God's expanding the church. Verse 1 says, uh, of Acts 1 says, I have, oh, Theophilus, I have dealt with in the first book all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's the book of Luke that we talked about last week. The book of Luke is, is Jesus' ministry, and the book of Acts is not just the history of the church, but it's the history of what Jesus is continuing to do through his church through his people. And that's what we see here as we get this commission in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. At the end of the passage, which we uh, sang about and read about earlier, uh, the, the disciples get to see Jesus ascend into the clouds. He disappears, and they're stuck there just gazing into the clouds. And the angels tell them, why, are you keep, why do you continue to stare in the clouds? This same Jesus, who you just saw go up, will come again, just like he left. 
But in the meantime, we believe Jesus has gone to the, to the Father. We, we sang about that and we read the Apostles' Creed just a moment ago. We believe that this Jesus who ascended will come back again. But guess what happens in the meantime? What happens in the meantime is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We are his witnesses until he returns. There's two uh, main points I want us to see uh, from these verses this morning. We won't get to concentrate much on the ascension there at the end, but there's two main points I want us to see. Point number one is this. Jesus is telling us, don't misunderstand my kingdom. And point number two is Jesus telling us, don't neglect your role. Don't misunderstand my kingdom and don't neglect your role. Uh, first of all, don't misunderstand my kingdom. You see this question that uh, the disciples ask in verse 6. It says, Lord, will you at this, at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, this is a very honest question from the disciples, but it, it, it shows their confusion. It shows their confusion by just the way that they ask the question. And uh, beginning there uh, more at the end, he says, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? The, the noun there, Israel, shows us that Jesus' first disciples were mistaken about the kind of kingdom that Jesus was going to establish. They thought about it in ethnic national terms, Israel, the Jewish people. That was one misunderstanding that they had. And so Jesus is going to correct that misunderstanding that it's not just the kingdom for Israel. It's not just the kingdom of the Jews, but it's going to the kingdom, a worldwide global mission that Christ is establishing. It's not just the kingdom of the Jews. The second misunderstanding there we see in the verb restore. He says, are you, the disciples ask, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel. And the idea of restore is like bring back the way it used to be. And they, they had this history of, of, of David and Solomon and Saul where there was this military physical kingdom that had been established right there in Jerusalem. And so the idea of restore shows us that they were confused that this would be a earthly um, uh, military kind of kingdom. And Jesus comes along the scene and says, that's not exactly the kind of kingdom that I'm growing. I will be the king and I will rule over this land. But right now I'm establishing my people on this earth for my return when the kingdom will be consummated. Okay? So they were, they were confused about the, uh, the national scope of this kingdom. They were also confused in, in the nature of this kingdom, that it was going to be similar to uh, David's kingdom. And they wanted someone who would militarily throw off the Roman occupiers of their land. And so uh, the third uh, confusion that we see in, in this verse is he says, at, uh, will you at this time, meaning the kingdom to come now, and they didn't realize that Jesus was going to begin his work of the kingdom, uh, going to inaugurate this kingdom, but we would not see it fully fulfilled until later. They wanted the kingdom to come now. And so they asked this honest but confused question. And then Jesus, on the heels of this honest but confused question, gives them their role. And this is where I want us to spend the bulk of our time this morning is in verses 8 and nine. Uh, he, he answers them in verse seven. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
So the first thing he's telling us is, don't misunderstand my kingdom. But the second thing he's telling these disciples and thus also to us is, don't neglect your role. You have a role to play in the building of this kingdom, in what I'm doing globally on this earth. And so I'm going to go to my father, Jesus says, but you are going to be my representatives. You are going to be my witnesses throughout this whole earth. You have a part to play. And that part to play is that word there, witness. They are going to be witnesses, and we also are going to be witnesses to Jesus. Now, what, is the, what does the term witness mean? What is a witness? I want you to think about this this morning, and kids, think about this with me, just in a, in a, in a courtroom setting, in a law, in a legal setting. Who is the witness? The witness is the person that gets up on the stand and says, here's what I saw. This person ran this red light, went, or ran the yellow light maybe, and they caused the crash. You, you speak to what you know or what you saw. That's what a witness does. And that's what Jesus is telling these original followers, and that's what he's telling us. You are going to be my witnesses. You are going to speak to what you know and what you have seen and what you have heard. And for these guys, they had actually seen Jesus rise from the dead. They had actually seen him perform these miracles. And he says, you are gonna, as I ascend, I'm going to go away. I'm going to ascend to the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you power, and you are going to be my witnesses to tell, to speak, and to let people know who I am and what I have done. You're going to be my witnesses. The important thing, just as important as knowing what a witness is, though, A second thing is knowing what a witness is not. Because this is where some of us, I think, we get confused. We think, oh, you know, uh, a witness. I'm supposed to witness for Jesus. And sometimes we hear people talk about soul winners for Jesus. Uh, We are not, Jesus doesn't call us soul winners here. He calls us witnesses. And what, again, does a witness do? He stands, he takes the, the platform where he takes the stand and he tells what he knows. But a witness in the courtroom is not a few other things. The witness in the courtroom is not the judge. The witness in the courtroom is also not the persuasive attorney trying to seal the deal and convince the jurors or the judge. Sometimes when we feel like, uh, hey, I know I'm supposed to be a witness, we think, we hear that, not in the term witness, tell what you know, tell what you've seen, what you've heard. We take that and we, we, we twist it in our minds to think, oh, I have to be the persuasive attorney to convince someone to believe in Jesus. But see, that's not your role. Your role is simply to take the stand and tell what you know. The convincing is done by the attorney. Or the decision is made by the judge or the jury. That's not our role. Our role is simply to witness. You see the difference? And and if you know the difference between witness and attorney and and judge and jury, then that, that should take some of the pressure off of you that you don't have to convince, you don't have to seal the deal, you don't have to be the one to, to make the close of the sale, so to speak. Is that helpful? He says, you are my witnesses. Not the judge, not the jury, not the, the attorney. But you are my witnesses. And then he gives this geography lesson to us. 
He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Where are those places? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. I don't know if we have this because of the computer breakdown or what we do. And give it up, by the way, for our tech team who was racing back there just to get some words. And you guys did great. I mean, you sang as loud as I've ever heard you sing and keep it coming. That was awesome. Uh, I think we needed that, not to rely on words and technology, but uh, to be a little frazzled. I needed that. Jesus tells these original guys, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And I have a little round uh, circle there. Uh, It's off the screen a little bit, but you can see this is Jerusalem right here, everybody. Kids, can you see that? Jerusalem. And guess where the disciples are with Jesus when he gives them these instructions? Do you know where they are? You know what city they're in? They're in Jerusalem. He's giving them these instructions and he says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the city, right? But then he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. Go to the next slide, Stephanie. Judea, okay, is this circle right here. If Jerusalem is like Dallas, then Judea is like Texas, okay? So Jesus is saying, start in Jerusalem and then go to Judea and Samaria. What do you remember about Samaria? This is the area north of Jerusalem. What did the Jews think about Samaritans in that day? Did they like them? No, No, they did not like them. Uh, They were a bit racist against the Samaritans. They looked down at them. They weren't their friends. They weren't their allies. They kind of despised the Samaritans. And so what Jesus is saying here, very clearly, just geographically, is start where you are and then move out to the region and then even move to places you would rather not go. But because I love these people... Even though you don't care about the Samaritans, though I, though I love them, I'm sending you to them. So go Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and then what's the final part of the world he says to go to? To the end of the earth, or the old King James, to the uttermost parts of the earth, I think. And so if you look on the next map, the kind of the modern world at that time um, should be a horizontal one that shows the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah, there it is. So where's the, uttermost, where's the outermost parts of the world? He's saying, go all the way here. And by, by the time Acts is ending, in Acts chapter 8, that says Rome right up there off the screen. Paul has gone all the way from over here. Look how small Jerusalem is compared to the Mediterranean Sea. Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost, the ends of the earth. And by Acts 28, flip with me to Acts chapter 28. Look where it says Paul is and what he's doing. Acts 28, verse 30 and 31 says he lived there. He's in Rome. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God. There it is again. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. 
I'm sending the Holy Spirit to empower you, to indwell you, to live in you. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to have power. Don't go yet, but you're going to have power to be my witnesses right where you are and then outward in these concentric circles to the ends of the earth. And it's amazing as we follow through Acts here and as we'll see throughout this year as we follow this story, it's amazing to see here what God does, amazing, miraculous things, and what God does through ordinary fishermen, ordinary folks just like you and me, filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to ask you this morning, okay? Here's the application part. What is our Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria? And what is you? What, what is your Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria? Where does, where does God want you to start and where does he want you to spread out to? What's your Jerusalem? Where, where is God sending you? Or maybe the question is better like this. Where has God already sent you? As we leave this place, all 180 or 200 among us, however many it is with kids and all that, all of us are going to go to different places. We're going to go to different Jerusalems, places that God wants us to begin on mission. Where is your Jerusalem? Could be uh, where you work. It could be the, the place that you live. It could be the, the moms that you're soccer moms with. It could be the, the cycling club that you're a part of. These are, the, these are the people, and this is the place that God has strategically placed me to be a witness, to speak of what I know and what I've heard and what I've seen of Jesus. What's your Jerusalem? And then the concentric circle past that is Judea. Who's the, the, the circle beyond that? And then Samaria. Who, who is it that God would want you to go to that you wouldn't choose to go to? Who's that person? Or who's that people group that you just kind of, you know, you don't mix with them or you, you kind of look, look, look down at them? And Jesus says, even go to the Samaritans and then to the ends of the earth. Here's a, a conviction we have here at Centennial Church. I would hope that every family here, you have some way, some intentional way to partner with people that are taking the gospel around the globe to places that are not your Jerusalem, to places that you'll never go to. I hope that you have some way as a family to pray and to give and to support those who are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if you need help connecting with some of those people or some of those opportunities, myself or our elders or staff would love to be able to help you connect to be able to do that with even some of our mission partners. But I want you today to think about and maybe to discuss with your parents, what is my Jerusalem? What is my Judea? What is my Samaria? Because guess what? This is for us too. Jesus said the same kind of thing in Matthew chapter 28. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, what did Jesus command those first apostles to do? 
to go and make disciples. And he just said in that verse, teach those disciples to do what I've commanded you to do. So this is not just something that the first 12 are supposed to do. This is something that we're all supposed to do, to be witnesses, to speak and to represent Jesus in our, our spheres of influence, our circles of influence, if you will. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And let me just, let me just say this. Many of you, as you hear this idea, you're thinking, witness me? Ah, I don't know how to do that. I'm not able to do that. I'm not equipped to do that. That sounds so awkward. That's not my deal. That's stuff for you, Ross, and preacher types to do. I just, I feel so awkward and weird about how to do that. And let me help you with that, okay? Of course, there's going to be some awkwardness about this. You know, I, uh, some of you have noticed I have a, a new awkward thing on my head, these deals. And some of you even mentioned last week, like you had those things on your head and you're reading from the Bible. You never even put them on. It's because I feel awkward. Like I've never worn glasses before. And so I don't know how to use these readers. And I just feel weird. Like I just don't know when to pull them down and take them off and and I don't want to distract you guys by pulling them down, and then you make fun of me. And uh, I'm the only person, for 42 years in my life, I've been the only person in my immediate family, my parents and brothers and sisters, that, haven't, that, that has not worn glasses. And so like, this is just not me. This, does, this is not supposed to happen to me. This is not my deal, right? And so suddenly, and it even happened while I'm preaching here, I was like, whoa, wait a second. This is, I can't read this. And so suddenly, suddenly I, I've got to deal with this. And guess what? As a witness, you might feel awkward about this. This is not my deal. For 42 years of my life, this hasn't been a part of who I am. I don't know what to say. I feel goofy. But let me just, let me just give you some simple helps, okay? Some simple ways, some small steps to think about this, because I'm not asking you to leave here today and go to lunch and just pull out the Bible to your server at Chili's and just start sharing the gospel with them. That's not the takeaway that I, I'm necessarily going for here this morning. But all of us have simple and kind of baby step ways to begin to, to approach this idea of being God's witness, Maybe you're not just going to go up to that stranger and share the gospel, okay? That, that takes some boldness. That takes maybe some experience to do that. But here's one thing you could do. What about this? What about just taking a walk this afternoon or tomorrow and praying for the homes around you? Just praying for the people that you live next to or the people down the street. Lord, would you use me? to be able to get to know these people, to care for these people, and to have some type of outreach to them. Would you help me do that, God? Maybe the way you start uh, tomorrow for you, if you, if you go to a workplace, maybe the way to start tomorrow is, is, is to tell someone, hey, can I buy your lunch today? Can I just take you to lunch? And you just talk. You just begin a friendship. Maybe on Tuesday when you go to school, you just, you just recognize that person that you see that person that's just sitting alone. And so you take your lunch over there and you sit with that person that you see is lonely. What would happen? What, what would happen in your life if before and with you showed up to work and as you got, before you got out of your car to go into the office, you just sat down your, out in your car for a few more minutes and just prayed for the people that you're going to meet with, the people that you're going to work with that day. And say, Lord, help me be a witness. 
Help me to have influence here at my workplace. What if you just committed to do that every day as you arrived at the office, before you get out of your car? You're just praying for the people that work around you in the cubicle next to you for the meetings. Lord, help me to see myself as a witness. Help give me opportunities to care for and share with the people that I'm going to be around. For some of us uh, that maybe don't get out as much, one thing I've tried in the past is just go to the same person to get my hair cut, you know, the same month after month. Just keep faithful to that one person or go to that same checkout line at Sprouts to those people that I know and just, just begin to be friendly and to care and to ask questions. Maybe the first step for you being a witness in your neighborhood is just to invite a family in your neighborhood over for dinner on Friday or Saturday night. Don't even put pressure on yourself to talk about church or to talk about spiritual things. Just invite them over and share a meal together. We have some CC invite cards out there at the Connection Center. There's they're little green cards. I forgot to put one in my pocket this morning, but I was driving around uh, last week with Jim Waldron, and I noticed right, and I don't think he placed these in his car because I knew he was going to pick me up or anything, but he had these invite cards in his car that were there that he could hand out as he talked to people or as he saw one. I encourage you to grab some of those invite cards and be ready to just simply say, hey, would love to have you at my church sometime. Man, how, just a baby step, just a simple step. You know, just when someone, when you, when you learn, when you we hear that someone is going through a hard time, just to offer to pray for them is a simple step you can take. I hear from missionaries everywhere that whether you're talking to a Muslim or a Hindu or whoever, just the simple outreach of saying, hey, can I pray for you? Almost any religious or non-religious person will say, yeah, wow, that, that's really, yes. And it's just the power of praying for, some, for someone. We have someone in our church right now who got here because someone in our church, a member of our church body said, you, it, looks, it seems like you're going through a hard time. Can I pray with you? And so he prayed with this guy, and this guy began to come to Centennial Church because someone cared for him and prayed for him. Just saying hi, just buying someone's lunch, just going around your neighborhood and, and praying that God will give you opportunities. I've said this in the past, um, this three-prong approach, prayer, care, and share. Prayer, care, and share. Just begin to pray for people. God, use me. Put me sovereignly in the way of other people that I need to reach out to so I can care for them. And so at some point I can share Jesus with them. Hey, I want to, I want you to think about this this morning, not so much as a message, okay, but as a manner of life, as a way of life. This is, this is not just a sermon out of Acts this morning. This is a way we need to be living, the way we're called to live as Christ's witnesses. He's left it on you and me through the power of the Holy Spirit to grow his kingdom, to be his representatives. And this is the way it's going to happen. You know, every, every Sunday there's, there's 10 or so 
maybe less, maybe more people that just drive off the street to Centennial Church and, and drop in here and worship. But do you know how God is really going to build his church? It's not by the guests that come in here on Sunday morning. It's by the members going out and being his witnesses. Amen. The days of people just coming to church are, are growing old and are over. More and more, the church is going to have to be in the world, witnessing not in here, but out there. And that's the thing that we say around Centennial Church all the time. Every member is a minister and a missionary. You have a Jerusalem, a Judea, and a Samaria. And, you, and, and when we leave here, we gather to worship. And then when we leave here to scatter, that's our mission field. Start here and go everywhere. You are Jesus' witnesses. I am Jesus' witness. And it doesn't just happen in here. The greatest impact we can have at Centennial Church is if we bolt out of these doors on Sunday afternoon and we realize that our ministry and mission starts out there by praying for people and by caring for them and by sharing Jesus one-on-one, -on -one, even in small steps. In 1622, as uh, a lot of pilgrims were heading there this way to the new world, a preacher named John Donne spoke Acts 1-8 to some of those folks on the Virginia Company, and this is the way he messaged this to them. I don't know if yet. Yeah, here it is. John Donne, 1622. I want to end with this. He says, The Acts of the Apostles were to convey that the name of Christ Jesus excuse me, the acts of the apostles were to convey that the name of Christ Jesus and to propagate his gospel throughout the whole world. Beloved, you too are actors on this same stage. The end of the earth is your scene. Act out the acts of the apostles. Be a light to the Gentiles who sit in darkness. Be content to carry him over these seas who dried up one red sea for his first people and who poured out another Red Sea, his own blood, for them and for us. You too are actors on the same stage. The end of the earth is your scene. I hope that people come to Centennial Church in vanfuls, in droves. I hope that the Spirit leads them as they drive by to say, I want to be a part of whatever is happening at Centennial Church. But I hope more than that, at Centennial Church, we will go out by the 200s to make impact out there. Amen. That's not just a marketing strategy. That's not just a new way to do things. That's what he said to do in Acts, and that's what Jesus told his disciples to do from the very beginning. Not, hey, church, or hey, world, come to church. Instead, it was church, go to the world. So, Father, would you please give us a holy boldness and a courage, a power of the Holy Spirit a conviction to pray for others, to look where we can care for others, and to share your message, to share Jesus boldly with those that we come in contact with. God, this world is so broken. We're a mess. The world is a mess, but you have given us hope in Jesus. Would you please, God, 
move in and among us. Your spirit dwell deeply within us so that as we dwell in this world, we would be difference makers for you. God, we want it. Please help us to want it. All for the glory of Jesus, we pray.